It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, we're going to be talking a little bit about the reports uh, suggesting that KSE are willing to back Mikel Arteta this summer, that there will be significant investment in the playing squad, that he will be allowed to go out and splash the cash on three big signings, but that his job is not safe. Strange, isn't it? Doesn't make sense. How do you go from suggesting that somebody is on thin ice, suggesting that he's only got six to eight games at the start of next season to prove his worth, yet you're willing to to pump in money like you've never done before to back this manager and potentially be left with the same issues that Mikel Arteta has had to address, where he's come into a club and picked up an oversized squad full of players who weren't really fit for for purpose, weren't really fit for what he was trying to achieve. But then you're stuck with them. So this is just a a baffling report. And I want to talk a little bit uh, more about it. I want to talk in detail about it. Uh, I want to say a big hello to everybody watching us in the live chat. Big hello to T, to Inter, to Nigo, uh, to Giancarlo, all of you guys in the live chat. Hope you're all well. We held a fans phone in show last night and it kind of turned into a Mikel Arteta discussion, uh, despite the fact that it was supposed to be about sort of the West Brom game. But that was always going to happen because over the last few days, there's been a real disconnect between the Arsenal fans and the club. There's been a lot of anger, a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration. I don't know about you guys. I said it on the, the phone in last night, but when it was sort of leading up to the game on Sunday. My interest in it was was quite minimal. And that's horrible. It's a horrible place to be as a fan. It's a horrible feeling to have. You know, you're looking at your club's game and you're sitting there going, not really bothered about this. You know, I had work yesterday, um, sort of during the game and and my my kind of in the lead up to it, I'd normally be all over it when it's an Arsenal game. I'd normally be sitting there couple of hours before, trying to predict, trying to plan, trying to identify what Mikel Arteta might do with regards to his team selection. And I just wasn't interested. I just wasn't interested because what happened on Thursday was was so disappointing and the nature of it was so disappointing. And, And you kind of arrived at a place where you're sitting there and you're looking at it and you're thinking about it and you're going... What is the clear solution here? What is the answer here? What is it that we need to be doing in order for us to be able to compete again at the top level? What is it that needs to change at the football club? And the problem here is that it's not just one thing. It's not even just two things. It is a number of things. And you wonder how it is possible to change all of those things over the course of a summer, a summer in which the European championships are going to take up a significant amount. 
which obviously has a knock-on impact on on some of your players and and their fitness also has a knock-on effect on the transfer market because often you see some clubs trying to get their business done before early on other times you see players identify players from these kind of tournaments and feel like they're the ones to go for so it's a it's a difficult summer as it is for Arsenal Football Club but I think the European Championships makes it even more difficult now the report that I referred to right at the top of the the podcast was one that started to emerge yesterday uh started to emerge on Sunday with regards to this idea and this notion that the Cronkies have looked at where Arsenal are and in particular Josh has has decided that we need to take action. Arsenal are not going to be in Europe for the first time in 25 years, a quarter of a century. And, and according to what we're reading, Josh Kroenke has decided enough is enough. Arsenal need to, um, to splash out. Arsenal need to invest. And Arsenal need to do what they can to close the gap between themselves and everybody else. But then in the same report, we heard and read that Mikel Arteta has six to eight games at the start of next season to prove himself. He has six to eight games at the start of next season to save his job. So which is it? You know, which is it? Is Mikel Arteta on thin ice? If he is, if in the board's mind, Mikel Arteta is on thin ice, what sense would it make to throw millions of pounds that we don't have, by the way, at him and say, go on, transfer market's yours, do what you want. But then he may start the season poorly or, or not meet the standards that the board have set and find himself sacked just weeks after being given a war chest, essentially. And there's two parts to this. First of all, I wouldn't hold your breath on the Cronkies giving Mikel Arteta the significant funds that we all know that any manager would need to, to turn over this squad. Secondly, does that suggest if they are going to do it, that actually he's not on thin ice and that these reports that are coming out, which suggest that he is, are purely designed to make the fans feel as though there is a, a need to be competitive, that he's not just being trusted regardless of what is going on on the football pitch. I don't know. It's so so difficult to make sense of because it is such a contradictory report. It's a contradictory approach. Nigo in the chat says, Harry, we really need to get rid of all the dead wood. I don't think Arteta is the man for the job. However, with the right backing and money, I think he can be. We can't just keep changing managers. Yeah, and, and, and I, I agree with that because I've said it for ages, you know, Mikel Arteta has a lot to learn. But there is something there that makes me believe that he can go on to be a very successful coach. You look at Manchester United as a prime example, and this was a point made on the phone in last night, which if you haven't listened to and you want to listen to, you can by clicking on the previous video if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening via the audio platforms. It's the last show in the feed. So you can check that out. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. Is he a great tactician? Is he a great manager? I'd argue no. I don't think he is. And, I, and I'm not saying this to pick on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I'm not throwing stones from a glass house. I'm not, you know, suggesting 
you know, we are in a position to take the piss out of Manchester United. But what I'm trying to say here is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's kept it simple. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has a talented group of players, players that he can rely on, players that he can trust to go and deliver to a certain level most weeks. He's taken the shackles off of those players and he's allowed them to play in a way whereby their talent shines through. I feel like one of Mikel Arteta's faults this season has been that he's tried to overcomplicate things at times. That when we've had the greater talent, he's not believed in it and he's not trusted in it and his decisions to, at times, overcomplicate it tactically have actually done more harm than good. But as fans, we can get bogged down and we can get obsessed with the manager. And I think we're in danger of doing that here. Don't get me wrong. After the game on Thursday, I was as angry as everybody else. And I still, if you gave me the choice now, whether to replace Mikel Arteta or to keep Mikel Arteta, I would replace him. Because I've given him the season. And yes, we're a couple of games from the end of the season, but we're at the point where our season is essentially over. It's over prematurely. Why? Because Arsenal haven't been good enough. And this is not Arsenal in sixth. This is not Arsenal missing out on the Champions League by a few points. This is not Arsenal on the cusp of, of qualifying for the Europa League even. This is Arsenal who are staring the prospect of not playing European football for the first time in 20 years in the face. That's how far Arsenal have fallen. Now, you could certainly make the case that a lot of the issues at the club are not of Mikel Arteta's own making. You could certainly make the case that he's had to clean up the shit left by managers previous to him. And again, I agree with that. I think when Mikel Arteta came in, he was in a difficult position. He'd inherited a squad that was made up partly of, of some players that Arsene Wenger had overspent on that weren't performing. The likes of Shkodran Mustafi, you know, Mesut Ozil had been given that contract but wasn't really living up to it. You know, Granit Xhaka, a player that I actually quite like, but I can understand why there are people out of there out there who think that we spent too much money on him. And then you've got the mixture of the players that were brought in and, and are in the same boat or have underperformed from Unai Emery's tenure. And yes, there's an argument that Unai Emery um you know didn't didn't select all of those players didn't bring in all of those players, didn't want to bring in all of those players. And it's an argument I completely accept. But, you know, even from the Unai Emery days, you know, you've got Lucas Torreira, Matteo Genduzzi, both on loan out, both problematic players for us because you've got one that wants to leave. You've got one that might want to stay um, in Matteo Genduzzi, but would be entering the final year of his contract. And, and what we've got is a mishmash of players that just aren't fit for purpose and one of the first things that Mikel Arteta has had to do is trim down that squad. Not just because he probably wants to work with a smaller group, but because we need to trim down that squad to have the finances and the, the spaces in the squad available to be able to then go and recruit the players that we want. And so if indeed Mikel Arteta only has the first six to eight games of next season to prove his worth, why would you then give him the license to go out and bring in more players who the manager, the next manager may see as fitting into that category, the category of players that are not fit for purpose that we've overspent on. Surely 
as ownership, you make the decision now and you look at it and you try and work it out and you try and understand. And some of us will agree with the decision. Others will disagree and that's fine. But you need to make the decision now before going and pumping money into this project in the summer only for six to eight weeks into the new season to pull the trigger on him. That's what I don't get. It's contradictory. It doesn't make sense. Let me go over to some of you in the live comments and uh, apologies. I've still got a little bit of a cold, so I do get a little bit bunged up from time to time when I'm talking and uh, that's why I pause. Where are we? There was a good comment where someone said, about my my sort of view previously peter there it is he says harry correct me if i'm wrong didn't you say you will give arteta until next season round about december i would have done at the time i said that peter yeah um but you know things change people's views change people's opinions change and i was banking on Mikel arteta getting us to the europa league final had we lost in the europa league final against the superior team I think I could have accepted that. I think I could have lived with that. I think I could have dealt with that. And I think I would have obviously been gutted, but I would have accepted that we went to the final. We went as far as we could and we got beaten by a superior team. Where I think the Villarreal exit is, is in many ways unforgivable is that Villarreal are not a better side than Arsenal. In fact, they're not anywhere near it. They didn't tactically outsmart us, in my opinion. You know, loads of people have sort of dubbed it as a you know, Mikel have dubbed it as a, a Nunai Emery masterclass. I don't believe it was a Nunai Emery masterclass. In fact, I think we the only reason we had a, a sniff going into the second leg was because Unai Emery shit the bed and made the change that he did from fear of what Arsenal could do. So all of those things together make me feel as though the, the Villarreal exit is is unforgivable. But it isn't just the Villarreal exit. You can have a stinker. Um, you know, you can have a stinker in a one-off game, even over a couple of legs. You can have injuries. You can miss chances. You can be unfortunate. But what I am struggling with now is that it's it's a combination of, of that and the fact that we're, we've had such a bad league campaign. The two together as a combination are inexcusable. You can do you can pull off one and, and, and struggle in the other. Equally, if Arsenal were sixth in the Premier League, which is around about where I expected us to be, by the way, at the start of the season. If you go back to my preseason podcast, I did say that all I wanted was progress. And progress from finishing eighth would have been seventh, sixth, would have been to be more competitive. That's what I wanted. So I wasn't asking for the world. But to fail there and then to fail in the way we did in the Europa League, for me, is is a is a problem. You know, that is the that is the issue here. It's the combination of both of those things that makes me feel like what has happened this season now is is probably beyond repair. You know, going into the summer, we all know that the squad needs improving. But equally, why make those improvements if you don't know if that manager is going to be in charge? So where we've spent years and years and years of moaning to, uh, about the Cronkies and a lack of investment. Actually, the investment hasn't always been my major issue with them. It's been the quality of the investment. The quality of the investment has been bad. The wrong people have been in the jobs. 
where they've had a say and had power over who Arsenal go out on sign. And that has contributed that mismanagement right at the very top and the mismanagement um, sort of at team level as well has contributed to where we find ourselves now. This hasn't ha happened overnight. And I don't want people to think that I, I feel Mikel Arteta is solely at fault here. When I say that it's probably time to replace Mikel Arteta, that is coming from a place in my heart where I really do want Mikel to succeed. I really do. But I'm just not sure that he can. I'm just not sure that he can anymore. And, and the reason I'm not sure that he can is because over the course of the season, so many issues that you or I or, or people looking on probably didn't even understand the severity of, probably didn't realise how deep-rooted some of these problems are and that it's going to take one hell of a job to turn this all around. That's where I'm at. Um, I'm starting to get a little bit irritated with Mikel Arteta as well. His interviews, his press conferences, they're not going down well with me. And, and at the beginning of Mikel Arteta's tenure, when I was really behind him and really sort of you know, banging the Mikel Arteta drum and talked about this is what we needed, you know, a guy to come in to take the everything by the scruff of the neck to change the culture at the football club. The press conferences, the interviews, I was gripped by them. I was, you know, I was interested. I was intrigued. I don't feel that way anymore. All I hear is excuses. All I hear is about one, what did he say yesterday after the match when asked about Thursday's exit? He said something along the lines of, well, an inch can can decide whether you're in the final or not. Yeah, of course, that, that's true to a degree. But why are we not talking about the fact that Arsenal only managed two attempts on target in the semi-final second leg? Why are we not talking about that? Because that is the crux of Arsenal's problems. Throughout the campaign, we have struggled to create chances. We've struggled to break teams down. We've struggled to play the quality of football that we all became used to and we all expect as a result of a very successful period not so long ago. You know, you look at Arsenal's defence in the Premier League this season. You look at Arsenal's defensive record. They've conceded 38 goals. Only Man City, Manchester United, ha only them, only Manchester City, sorry, and Chelsea as well. Only Manchester City, Manchester United and Chelsea, just the top three, have got a superior defensive record to Arsenal in the Premier League this season. So when we're sitting there and we're complaining about Pablo Marie and we're complaining about Gabriel and Rob Holding and Cedric and Bellerin, whoever you want it to be, Kieran Tierney being out, etc., etc. Defence has not really been our issue. The issue has been at the other end of the pitch. And, and the issue has stemmed from two things. One player is not performing, which is obviously... Part of Mikel's job to get them performing, but it's not something he can solely control or he has full power over. But the second part is him not being able to strike the right balance between defence and attack and be able, being able to strike the right balance in our attacking isolation, i.e. picking the right players, using them in the right positions and, and trying to get the best out of them. So there's a lot of problems here. Big hello to Inny um, and, and a thank you, uh, mate, for your very, very kind super chat. Uh, really appreciate it. He says, for context, I'm Arteta out. If the owners are willing to invest in the squad, it's imperative that they ensure Mikel is 
is there at least for a three-year plan or else their heads will also be called for even if they spend. And I I completely agree with this. I always felt that this was going to take time. I always did. You know, if you go back to previous podcasts, I've always called it, I've always talked about the process as being something that is going to take some time. And I'm not saying that he's had enough time because it would only be one full season. And I get all of that. What I would say, though, is during that period, you will look at it and you will go, okay, we're not where we want to be yet. And I didn't expect us to be where we want to be yet. But has there been any progress? Has there been any signs of, of moving forward? Because like with everything, objectives adjust in real time. You look at something and you you want to measure the progress of something and you've got to do that in stages. You've got to take breaks. You've got to check in at certain points to make sure that, you know, that, that things are moving in the, in the right direction. You know, if you're a project manager, you're not going to hand over a project to someone who's never done it before and say, here you go, mate, you've got a year to deliver this project without ever checking in without ever assessing what they've done so far, without ever assessing where they are currently at and the steps that still need to be taken to get to that final destination. And in assessing Mikel Arteta's first full season in charge of Arsenal Football Club, it is impossible, it is impossible to be sure or even 75% sure that he is the right man to take us forward because there is no statistical evidence you know, when you look at where we are in the league table, when you look at how we crashed out of the FA Cup, when you look at uh, sort of our, our performances for the most part of this season. But there is statistical evidence that says we're going the other way. And so if he starts next season in charge, which it looks like he will, I will support him. I will be in the stands cheering him on, cheering the team on, as I always am. But now... It's over to Mikel Arteta to prove to us that he is the right man for this job. Because he's shown it in glimpses. But as I say, over the course of the season, and a football season is a long time, we've seen regression rather than progression. So for me, Mikel, it's over to you now, mate. It's over to you to prove to us as a fan base that you are the right man. You are the right man to take us forward and you are worthy of being backed in the transfer market. Again, I caveat all of that with let's not hold our breath because the Cronkies have said this before and they're not backed us sufficiently. But, you know, I'm starting to lose that sort of, I don't want to say respect because I think he is someone who has, you know, the football club at his, in his heart who is really trying to succeed. But I am starting to lose faith in the methods. And especially when I hear him standing in front of cameras or watch him standing in front of the camera and almost at times insulting our intelligence by claiming that it is just rotten luck. And that is only, the only reason why we find ourselves where we are. No. And, and I, on the one hand, I, uh, I respect that he doesn't want to dig people out publicly. And I get all of that. And I don't think that's the way to go. But you can generally criticise a team without singling out individuals and reassure the fans that the problems that they are seeing, you're seeing them too. 
and that you are desperately trying to address them. Because for me, it seems like we're feeling sorry for ourselves. We're talking about missed chances, etc., etc. And um, it's hard. It's hard to take it at the moment. Now's the perfect time for you guys to get your questions into the live chat. I'd love to hear from you guys. What do you want to ask? What do you want to say? Um, and I'll, I'll pick out as many of those as I possibly can between now and the end of the stream. We'll run for around about 10 minutes more. So get involved in the chat box. Don't forget to smash the like button if you haven't done so already. Uh, and subscribe to the channel if you're new. It really, really helps. If you're listening via the audio podcast, we'd love for you to leave us a review. Um, it really, really does help. And check out manscaped.com, who are kindly sponsoring the podcast. Uh, so for all your male grooming needs, whether you're in need of a tidy up or a brand new landscape, check out manscaped.com and enter our discount code, which is 90min20, and you'll get yourself 20% off of your order as well as free shipping. There you go. Uh, check it out. The link is in the description. Also, check out the Le Bomb app as well. Uh, brand new football predicted game. Also kindly supporting the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Uh, you must be 18 or a UK resident to play, but essentially it's the game where you can take on your mates rather than the bookies. What's more satisfying than taking money off of your mates rather than the bookmakers? Check it out. Um, download it. Link, as I say, is in the description. Right, let's go over to the live chat. Um, oh, look, we got following Balogun watching us. <laughs> Welcome, mate. He says, uh, why did he persist with playing out from the back when we clearly have the lack of quality at the back? Uh, he also makes a very kind super chat donation following. Thank you uh, so much. Um, why has he persisted from playing out the back? I, I don't really have an issue with Arsenal playing out from the back because. Because I think it is probably the right way to play nowadays. You know, for me, it's always been the right way to play, but that's out of preference. Um, but I don't really have an issue with him having a philosophy and wanting to stick to it. I have an issue with the players not at times applying common sense into certain situations and recognising danger and then choosing off their own accord to maybe avoid what it is in particular they've been instructed to do to you know to avert those dangers to avert those situations so it's not me having an issue with them playing out from the back it's me having an issue with the individual players who at times of of trouble and at times of almost desperation should have the presence of mind as professional footballers to say this is too risky i'm not doing this right now and and abandoning that just temporarily and i and i think Mikel arteta probably feels that way as well you know i think he will be as frustrated as anybody else looking at them making mistake after mistake after mistake at the back by giving the ball away because they've opted to follow his instructions almost robotically rather than applying common sense, rather than doing what felt instinctively like the right thing to do in their minds. So that I, I would say that's kind of my take on that. But thank you for your question, mate. It is a really good question. Uh, Matt Gray says, who would you rather win the Europa League? I don't know if Manu or Villarreal would feel worse. Yeah, I mean, look, Unai Emery's got a fantastic um, record in the competition. I think that Man United are going to win it though, Matt. I think that from what I've seen of Villarreal over those two games, and granted, I haven't sat and watched Villarreal all season. I've only watched them in full in those two 90 minutes against Arsenal. 
but I wasn't impressed. I, I didn't see anything that suggests to me that they are capable of beating Manchester United. Um, I think Man United are just better than us, right? Man United are just better than us. So if Man United go on and win it, yeah, you know, I never want to see Man United win anything, but it's not going to keep me up at night. It's not going to upset me massively. Neither will Unai Emery winning it with Villarreal, if I'm honest. But I know that if Villarreal did win it and Unai Emery won it, that's all we'd hear. We'd have people coming out of the woodwork trying to make a case and, and, and suggesting that Arsenal were wrong to get rid of Unai Emery. Completely overlooking all the mistakes he made at Arsenal, completely overlooking where we were at the time of his sacking. And, and that would irritate me. So, I probably, you know, if Man United win it, at least we avoid that. So I guess it's a double-edged sword for me. Uh, Brad Richardson says, do you think the Cronkies are wanting to invest to increase the worth of the club to sell? I'm not sure about that, Brad. I feel like the Cronkies, if they do invest, it will be because they've realised that the Super League has failed and they will realise that not being in Europe is going to be problematic for them going forward. I think they've also probably woken up a little bit to the fact that the longer you're out of Europe, the harder it is to get back in. I think when Arsenal dropped out of the Champions League, most people thought that, you know, within a couple of, within a season, two seasons at worst, we'd be back in it. And that's not been the case. You know, we've fallen further and further. And so it's a combination of things. I think, first of all, the fact that they're under pressure from the fans, that there's somebody else sniffing around the football club, and that Mikel Arteta, who they've put faith in up until now, will, will be turning around and saying, guys, this group is not good enough. Maybe the the pressure and the, the sort of hitting our lowest point in about 25 years would, would be the kick up the backside they need. Maybe that's just me being hopeful. But as I say, I'm not holding any breath with regards to them actually uh, putting their money where their mouth is. Uh, True Guna says, all those Wenger out fans think it was a good move now. Generally interested to if you think it was for the best. I can only speak for myself, mate, but I thought that it was time for Arsene Wenger to go. Um, but on the flip side of that, I don't think Arsene Wenger would ever have us in ninth place. And that's because he would have had experience to call upon during those difficult moments that Mikel Arteta simply doesn't have. The experience even Unai Emery didn't have. He had a very simple philosophy, Arsene Wenger, and that was to pick talented players and let them play their game and, and allow them to express themselves and take the shackles off, almost like Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has done. And obviously, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer has a better group of players, but equally, I'm not sure that Arsene Wenger, and I know he bought some duds, he really did, but I'm not sure Arsene Wenger would have brought in some of the players that we've seen come into the club over the last couple of years that haven't worked out, that haven't proven to be the best. And I just think if Arsene Wenger was given 45 million to go and buy a central midfielder like Mikel Arteta was to bring in Thomas Partey, maybe we wouldn't have been calling for his head in the first place. If he was given the funds to go and get... um you know, other players, who knows? I, I don't know. Look, Wenger had to go. And I'm not for a second saying that, but I I do genuinely think that we would never have been in this position under him, regardless of the mistakes he made, because he he would have had the experience and the nous and the years behind him 
to work out how to get out of some of the situations we found ourselves in this season. Uh, Owen Young says, do you think the fan pressure on KSC will be sustained throughout the summer? Or do you see it fizzling out? It's tough because with the, the KSC stuff, while there's a chance of them spending big in the summer, you almost feel a bit stupid protesting. Like you, you, you should protest and we should, and we should keep the momentum going. But if you go to all of that effort and then they go and spend a hundred million pounds on a couple of players, then you're like, well, we've protested that they don't care. They obviously do because they've put this money in and we've gone and that because look, make no mistake about it. Any big signings Arsenal make this summer will not be off the back of Arsenal, the football club financing it themselves because we don't have the money. It would need, um, it would need that investment from them. And, and as a couple of people are saying in the chat, the problem is it's kind of already, um, it's kind of already fizzled out. Like in the space of a few weeks, it's already fizzled out. And it's why I was so desperate for Arsenal to get through in the Europa League, because I knew, I knew it, I could see it coming, that if we failed, all of the attention would shift from the Cronkies and the mistakes that they've made and the fact that they are the root of the actual problems at this football club and shift onto Mikel Arteta. And lo and behold, what have we been talking about since Thursday? We've been talking about Mikel Arteta. And so, yeah, I, I do think the fan pressure will fizzle out. I, I do. Um, it's, yeah, it's um, it's a problem. Graham says Wenger went two years too late, not too soon. I agree overall, Graham, that Wenger went went too late. If I were him, I'd have left after that FA Cup win over Chelsea. You've just beaten the champions. You've delivered an FA Cup. Get out of there, mate. You know, that was the perfect time for me. But having said that, I still can't handle my heart. I still can't, sorry, put my hand on my heart and say that if Arsene Wenger was in charge this season with this group of players, we'd be ninth. Because I don't believe that would be the case. I do believe that he'd have, as I say, been able to draw on, draw on experiences of the past and and get better results as a as a consequence of that. Equally, I'd have said that some players who have been unhappy under Arteta and probably have seen their performances deteriorate off the back of that would have felt more love from Arsene Wenger, more wanted by Arsene Wenger. And a lot of the time, management is overcomplicated. We talk about... Um, you know, we talk about uh, about the, the tactical side of the game a lot and, and rightly so is a much more sophisticated game than it was in years gone by. But I keep referring to the Solskjaer example. Sometimes you just need to take the shackles off people, make them feel loved, make them feel wanted and you'll get the best out of them. You know, look at Nicolas Pepe, gets far more game time and is playing much better. You know, look at other clubs, look at somebody like Patrick Bamford who everybody looked at at the start of the season and went, well, Leeds need an upgrade there. They need an upgrade at centre-forward. They went and bought Rodrigo. But not taking into consideration that Patrick Bamford, by being loved and feeling that love from Marcelo Bielsa and being made a focal point, has been made to feel important. And off the back of that, he's taken that responsibility and he's thrived on it. So, you know, th there are different approaches to management. There are different styles of management. And if you're going to be 
overly sort of obsessed, if you like, with the disciplinary side, which Mikel Arteta appears to be. You've got to do that knowing that it's going to have impacts in other ways. And it has had impacts in other ways. It's had impacts on Aubameyang. It's had impacts on, on people like Pepe um, throughout the course of the season. So sometimes you can overcomplicate it. I think that he needed to come in and try and change the culture. And if you, but I think he needed to do it. I think he needed to, to find more of a balance when doing that. And that balance needed to be a balance by which we forced out those who didn't want to be there and cut them out of the team. But we still didn't cut our noses off to spite our face. Because the reality is when you piss off Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and leave him out of the team, we don't really have somebody else who's going to come in and score 20 goals. Lacazette's had a good season um, in parts, in flashes. But we're just, you know, we're just not good enough to be isolating people for reasons other than footballing reasons at the moment. And further down the line, I'd hope that we would be in that position where we can ensure that we've got players who have the right attitude as well as having the ability. But at a time where you're trying to recover this club from the ashes, basically, when you're trying to bring this club back up to where it needs to be, you need to strike a balance. You need to strike a balance. And Mikel Arteta has failed to strike that balance up until now. The balance between being a disciplinarian, being a tactician, but also understanding what was already good about the team, the strengths that we already had and still trying to play to them because we seem to have lost our way. And, and that's the big issue for me. Uh, Sebi says, when is the next phone-in programme? It'll probably be next weekend, mate. probably be next Sunday. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that. It's, um, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a tough discussion. It's a tough, uh, you know, conversation to have. And, and I'm just trying to, like, get the feelings out there sort of organically, you know. And what I mean by that is as they come to me, I'm saying them. And some things won't make sense. Some people will disagree with certain elements. I don't want people to think that I'm sitting here campaigning for Arsene Wenger to return because I'm not. But I use him as an example of how badly I feel inexperience has let Mikel Arteta down. And how much I think that somebody of greater experience, somebody of a greater pedigree would have not solved everything, not had Arsenal in the Premier League, uh, sorry, in the top four of the Premier League, but would have gone some way in bridging that gap between where we are now and where we need to be. So, yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Tough conversation. Um, been feeling really downbeat over the last few days. Um, but we plug on, we plug on and we got a game against Chelsea on um, on Wednesday night, which obviously isn't going to be a season defining game. It isn't going to turn around our season. It isn't going to see us, um, you know, reignite our campaign. But what it will do is it will give us an indication again of where we are against the big sides. And there are no better sides right now in terms of current form then Chelsea, you know, they've been fantastic under Thomas Tuchel. So let's see how Mikel Arteta gets on against them. Let's see how our players fare against them. And every game now, between now and the end of the season, although it doesn't have huge significance in terms of 
where we're going to finish, how we're going to end up, it will have a significance in terms of who Mikel Arteta believes are players that we should progress with, that we should stick with, that we should give more opportunities to. And it will probably go some way in shaping who he feels are Deadwood and who he feels need to go. I'll pick up one last question uh, from Priska um, before I wrap up. And this one's with regards to the pandemic. Do you think it also contributed to Arteta's failure? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I think someone, as I keep saying, with a greater experience with um, who already had his feet under the table, if you like, would have been less impacted by it. I think that the fact that we've played so many games in a close proximity has been a problem for, for fitness reasons, but also because it's given Mikel Arteta very little time on the training ground to embed what it is that he wants to do. So I've got sympathy for him there. Obviously, the financial impact of the pandemic has probably meant he couldn't build the squad or the team that he wants as quick as he'd have liked. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, there are a number of reasons for which the pandemic has has impacted. Um, Tucky says the pandemic has affected every team, and I completely agree with that. But it's affected some teams more because teams that were already settled, you know, teams that already had a manager whose philosophy was embedded, who already had the players for the most part that he wanted, would have been in a better position than someone trying to build during the pandemic. But yeah, your, your point is valid. It, it affects everyone. I just think that it is a contributing factor to why Mikel Arteta has struggled so badly. There we go. I'm going to leave it there. Um, but I will catch up with you guys again very, very soon. Don't forget on your way out, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Big thank you to those who donated via the Super Chat feature. Uh, really, really appreciate that as well. And I will catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care. Enjoy the rest of your day. And uh, yeah, ciao. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.